mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading we heard from the Gospel of John on this Trinity Sunday. You may be seated. We begin with the word of prayer. Almighty Father, we give you thanks that you have chosen in your grace to reveal yourself to us, to show us that you are our Father who has sent his Son in the power of the Holy Spirit to be our Savior. And we pray this day, O oh Lord, that as we hear your word once again, our faith would be strengthened and we would learn to trust in you. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, today is Holy Trinity Sunday, and it is really one of those strange, really one of the strangest holidays, I think, on the church calendar, one of the strangest festivals on the church calendar. And I'm sure I mentioned this to you almost every year, but it's interesting to note that this is one of those festivals on the church calendar where we don't focus in so much on what God is doing than we, as we do focus in on who God is. Usually, on a church festival Sunday, we'll be celebrating something like uh, an event in Christ's life, some his historical event uh, in the work, with the work of God. So, for example, on Christmas, we celebrate what? birth of Jesus. And the doctrine, I guess, we look at there is the incarnation, but we celebrate the birth of Christ. And then on Good Friday, we celebrate, or we commemorate, death of Jesus. Easter, the ascension, the ascension, that's right, yeah. Like, these are what we look at on these festival holidays, these events in the life of Christ. But today, we focus in on a doctrine, not so much who, what God does, but who God is. And it strikes me today that preaching this sort of thing isn't all that useful or practical because you can't really use the doctrine of the Trinity to help you out with a whole lot. For example, teaching math. Not very helpful if you want to teach math. If you look at your sort of multiplication tables, three and one, not there. Very complicated, not easy to figure out. Trying to teach your kids about God. Uh, the doctrine of the Trinity becomes very difficult. I still remember my kids sitting in the back seat one day and saying, wait a minute, Dad, today you said Jesus is God in church. That's right. No. God is God. Jesus is his son. I said, well, kind of. The Father is God, and Jesus is the Son, and he's also God, and the Holy Spirit's also God. But there's only one God. And they're like, wait a minute. No, that's not right. I'm like, look, kids, God of God, light of light, very God, very God, begotten, not made. Figure it out, okay? Uh, we just started to do the Athanasian Creed for their, their bedtime reading, and none of it has helped. Uh, uh, it, it's just, it's not a very practical doctrine. It's very complicated and hard to figure out, but I think that's actually what's so wonderful about a Sunday like Trinity Sunday, because it reminds us of a truth about God. He's not a God we can use. We can't change him. We cannot manipulate him. We cannot choose whether or not we want him to make sense to us. We don't get to choose a God who is comprehensible. We can't make any choice about who God is. We can't make any choice about what God does. I mean, I guess you could say we could choose to worship someone else or we could choose to worship something else, but that's not really much of a choice. That's just a rejection of God. And also, just because you choose to worship something else doesn't mean that thing you're worshiping is actually God, even though you treat them that way. 
No, God is the way he is, regardless of our choice, regardless of whether or not we can wrap our heads around it. See, when it comes to God, you and I have no choice in the matter. God is not bound by our choosing. He, God's not really bound by anything. He's not bound to laws of nature. He's not bound to laws of math. After all, he created those things. He is above those things. He is apart from those things in a sense. Which means we cannot bind him to anything. We cannot change him. We cannot manipulate him for our own ends or our own goals. And the only reason we want to do it is because deep down inside of us, we would really prefer to be our own God. We like to choose God, because if we get to choose God, then we get to be God over God. We get to tell him what to do. We get to be in charge. And that is the deepest-seated sin. We want to be God over God, to be free from God, to do what gods can do. And what is that? Choose. We want to be gods so we can choose. The reality of Trinity Sunday is that you just simply don't have that power when it comes to God. That we just simply don't have that power with a lot of what we face in this world. And yet, in our culture and in our society right now, choice is like the biggest idol. It's the most important thing. In our minds, freedom is defined by choice. And so choice for us is the ultimate goal, the ultimate end. We all want freedom to choose. We idolize it. We're addicted to it. We have this now where it's like, why do you go to church where you go to church? Because I get to choose the way I worship. It's a completely strange way of speaking biblically. People will say, I get to choose what my gender is. I'm not bound to the laws of my body. I get to choose whether or not the baby in the womb lives or dies. I actually saw this video that was going around on uh, social media the other day where a mother was, was nursing her child, and she said to her child, you know, you're alive because I chose to give you life. I could have aborted you, but I chose to give you life. You're my choice, and everyone should have the right to choose. It wasn't exactly good night moon, I guess, uh, but I realized in that moment that that woman she didn't want to be the child's mother. She wanted to be the child's God. See, that's how we work. We want to be our own gods. We want to choose, but the reality is whether it comes to God or a lot of what we face in this world, we just don't have any choice in that. And this inability to choose confronts us so often in the harshest and most difficult of ways. I was thinking about it uh, yesterday. Um, I did a funeral for our dear friend Eric Weil. And in a sense, I didn't want to do that funeral. I mean, don't get me wrong, I wanted to honor Eric. I'm, I'm honored that I was the pastor who got to serve and officiate that funeral. I'm, the, I'm honored that I'm the pastor who got to visit Eric and, and get to know him and become his friend. But here's the thing. I didn't want to do his funeral. I'd much rather go see Eric next week. I'd rather go spend time with him and, and bring communion to he and Phyllis, and I'd love to sit down and hear his stories and laugh with him. That's my choice. That's what I want to do. But apparently I don't get my way. Confronted by death. It happened to me also earlier this week. I, I'm on the uh, board of directors for an organization called 1517, uh, and I was asked uh, to do the devotion. I didn't want to do that devotion. I wanted our chaplain, Ron Hodel, to do that devotion, Pastor Hodel, because he preached the gospel in beautiful and incredible ways, and I wanted to sit there, and I wanted to listen, and I wanted to receive the gifts from that wonderful preacher. 
But God saw fit to take Pastor Hodel home to be with him a few weeks. So I didn't get to choose him. I didn't get a choice in the matter. I much preferred to have Ron there, but God had other plans. See, God is God, and I am not, nor are you. He gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, and we really have no choice in any of this. So Trinity Sunday, we find ourselves sitting here with no choice, just simply receiving what the triune God has to give. We're left with nothing in our hands, no choice but to listen. And so we want to know, what does this God have to say? What does this God have to say for himself? Well, for himself, not much. But for you and for me, bound to sin, bound to death, he has a great deal to say. In fact, this God who comes to us today to speak to us by means of his word, he comes to us today with the words of eternal life. I think we find ourselves in a very similar position to St. Peter. Do you remember that wonderful account in John chapter 6 uh, where Jesus is preaching uh, to a lot of people and he's preaching really hard sayings, things that they just can't really wrap their minds around and they don't really like that he's saying them. And a large number of his followers at that point abandon him. They leave. They say, these are hard sayings. We're out of here. And so when Jesus finishes his sermon, he turns to his disciples and he looks at them and he says, what about you? You guys out too? Do you want to leave also? And Peter looks at Jesus and says, Lord, to whom else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We got no choice. You're the only one speaking the words of salvation. What wonderful words they are. See, today we are met by this triune God who does not reveal himself to us as a mathematical problem to be figured out, as a philosophical frustration that we just can't wrap our minds around, but as a God who does what only God can do. We meet today the God who chooses. And God has chosen to not let us stay dead in our sins and trespasses. But our God has chosen love. Our God has chosen sacrifice. Our God has chosen forgiveness. Our God has chosen redemption. And he has chosen all of these things for you. Yeah, the math of the Trinity might be beyond my comprehension, but the work of what God does has been given to us on the pages of Scripture and revealed to us by Jesus Christ. What God does comes to us as a gift that gives us life in salvation. So Jesus says, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. See, here's the Father's choice. Here's the Father's decision. God the Father saw us dying in our sins and our trespasses, guilty and deserving of judgment. And instead, he chose to send his Son to be our Savior. Second person of the triune God, Jesus the Son, chose to put on flesh, willingly came into this earth so that he might choose the cross he might suffer and die there for you and for your salvation and then rise again from the grave to give you the gift of everlasting life. This was God's choice, to give you salvation. And now the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son directly to you and I who, who while we were yet dead in our sins and trespasses, gave us the gift of everlasting life. We who are incapable by our own reason and strength to come to faith in Jesus, to call upon him. We're called upon by the Holy Spirit through the gospel. He enlightened us with his gifts 
And now he sanctifies and keeps us in the one true faith. This is what God has done for you. This is what the triune God has done for Eric, has done for Pastor Hodel, has done for all of us who have been baptized into his name. You see, here's what happened. At your baptism, the Spirit of God hovered over the water, and the Heavenly Father declared you to be his own as he gave to you all the benefits of his Son, Jesus Christ. There you were promised forgiveness, life, and salvation, that even though you die, yet you shall live and be with him forever. God made a choice. He chose you. He chose to create you. He chose to redeem you with the blood of Jesus. He chooses to sanctify you with his word and with his sacrament, and he gives you the promise of forgiveness, life, and salvation. So we thank God today that we have no choice in the matter. God in Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, chose you and me to receive forgiveness and everlasting life, which really makes you want to ask the question, why would anyone choose any other God? Why would we want to choose anyone else? I mean, thank God we have no options here. This alone is the God who chooses to save. And he is the God for you. I love that hymn we just sang from Martin Luther, Dear Christians, One and All Rejoice. One day... Uh, we will sing all the verses of that hymn. I think there's like 12 or 15 of them. Uh, one of these days, one of these days. We didn't quite get there today. But I do love the verses we sang today because I think they paint for us a beautiful picture of the work of this triune God and help us understand the way in which God loves us. Here again, these verses. God said to his beloved son, it's time to have compassion. Then go, bright jewel of my crown, and bring to all salvation. From sin and sorrow, set them free. Slay bitter death for them that they may live with you forever. So the Father sends the Son. Now the Son obeyed the Father's will, was born of virgin mother. And God's good pleasure to fulfill, he came to be my brother. His royal power disguised he bore, a servant's form like mine he wore to lead the devil captive, the work of God the Son. And now we hear Jesus promise us the Holy Spirit where he says, Now to my Father I depart from heaven, uh, from earth to heaven ascending, and heavenly wisdom to impart the Holy Spirit sending. In trouble he will comfort you and teach you always to be true, and into truth shall guide you. And so, dear saints, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, has chosen. All of this he has chosen to do for you. Amen. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Heavenly Father, that you chose to save, that you chose to send your Son, Jesus Christ, into our flesh to redeem us and justify us. And now you have granted us the Holy Spirit to bring us all the benefits of Christ's work. Teach us, Father, always to confess your name completely and faithfully, trusting you in all things. We ask this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Mm-hmm.